I, I, we're, we, we've got some things to do, you know, some uh, people call them housekeeping. We've got some announcements to make, and we'll get to that in a minute. Nursery is available if you have a child and you need it ever. Let me tell you, your baby's being in service. Your children being in service does not bother me in one, one, one little bit does it bother me. My mom used the word smidgen, whatever that means. It does not bother me at all, but it is available if you need it. I want to share with you an encounter that I had with the Holy Spirit this week. And, and as I had this encounter with the Holy Spirit, He began to speak into my heart. I found that, that, uh, that it just kept unfolding and unfolding all throughout the week leading up to this service this morning, this gathering. And we appreciate those of you that are here. If you're here for the first time, or maybe the first time in a long, long time, we have uh, a special gift for you that we want to put in your hand, but we would like for you to fill out a connection card for us and uh, make uh, give us a salute so we can get to know you better. We're not going to harass you. We're not going to sell your information or anything like that, but we do want to get to know you just a little bit better. Let me share with you my experience this week before we go into the scripture. And when I go to the scripture, we are actually going to be going to James chapter 5, if you want to be turning in that direction. But this week, uh, I was actually sitting outside of a business, uh, waiting on my wife to come out. I was outside sitting in the car and and uh, patiently, and, you know, that's what husbands do. That's why in front of a lot of these stores, if you ever know, uh, my wife likes a store named Hammerick's. It's out around Johnson City or uh, Kingsport. If you've ever been there, they have a, a uh, group of chairs sitting at the front of the, uh, of the store. And that's for all those patient husbands to occupy while their wife goes through and all of those racks of clothing and load up a buggy and, and they're standing in line at the register and it's right before they get to the checkout, then they look and they say, I'm not really sure if I want this or not. I think I'll put it back. And I really don't think that, that this is not me. And they put it back. And, and we know, you guys know what I'm talking about, don't you? Yeah. And my, my wife, if she bought everything that she picked up, we would be broke. But thank God for a frugal wife that decides in the last moments that she needs to put it back. So I was sitting and waiting on her just the other day. And as I was, I was sitting in the car and waiting on her, I began to look across the street. And uh, there were many churches across the street that uh, of which I was sitting on uh, in the car. And uh, I began to look at, at the beauty there. There were old buildings and the architectural work. And some of them, you could tell, had copper roof. One had copper roofing on it and guttering and stuff. And, and you, very, very elaborate, very beautiful buildings. But, but then my attention, it was almost like that, that my focus went on nothing. On one of those buildings, the windows were, were covered. The windows were covered. Now, it was it was a very pretty building. It was a very pretty building, but my attention went to those windows. Those windows were made up of, of plexiglass, and then they had an outer shell over them, which I'll tell you just a little bit about here in just a moment. But, I, but I, it sparked my attention, and I began to think about stained glass. Uh, one of the churches, my previous churches, my previous pastorates, 
was well known for its stained glass windows in the community it was located in. It was very beautiful. The church, prior to my arrival, had split, spent thousands and thousands of dollars in real estate glass lined with lead in the right up like where our image is showing. Right now there was an octagon shaped glass in it and that glass was a dove coming with an olive branch and in and, and the evening time when the sun would be shining course out of the west it would illuminate that uh, window, but sometimes it could obviously be a nuisance because it would get so bright that it would it actually be a blinding to you of sorts. But I begin to think about stained glass, and, 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 and my, my curiosity grew, and I, I began to do a little research, and I found out that in the early century, stained glass was used for literacy purposes, uh, because many people were illiterate, if you would. Uh, just because education wasn't widespread and prominent, and the stained glass, those of you that have been in churches that have stained glass and I'm not preaching against it this morning, by the way. You may you may see pictures and captures of like Mary and Joseph and the baby Jesus. You may you may see uh, uh, you may see uh, uh, one of Jesus walking on the water. You may see uh, the apostles as they're gathered. But but all of those were used as teaching tools. Every color had a significant meaning. Blue represented heavenly love, or it could represent the Virgin Mary. Green represented charity and generosity. Violet colors, uh, deep purples represented passion and suffering. And these scenes were depicted through these colors and through these images to illustrate and to use as a teaching tool in the very early church. By the 12th century, uh, the, the, the great cathedrals, of, especially of Europe, have become well known for their mosaics, if you would, their stained glass. And stained glass began to shift from being a teaching tool to an art form by the time you get to the 10th or 12th century. Uh, stained glass is considered now, uh, if, if you would, something that we, we, we go to more as a museum piece and we look upon and we think it's beautiful and certainly it is. And, and, and when it's artificially illuminated by the sun or naturally illuminated by the sun, it can illuminate a whole room. But this church that I was sitting across from and I was looking at, I understand their reasoning, but they had used like plexiglass to cover the outside of their beautiful stained glass windows. Now through years of rain, probably mostly uh, accredited to the, the sun because the sun deteriorates plexiglass. Through many years of weathering and sunshine, the, the panels on the outside of the church had, had become very fogged. They were fogged that you, you really couldn't, you couldn't even really tell that the beautiful stained glass windows were behind that plexiglass. And I begin to think, in my mind, I begin to, you know, it's the OCD thing of pastors. I begin to think, this is horrible, this is awful. They, 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 they spent all of this money and they had all those beautiful windows. And it was like the, the Holy Spirit spoke to me in, in a near audible voice. And, and, and in that near audible voice, he spoke to me and said, but even worse is the people 
people that sit inside are enjoying the benefit of the glass. While it's a barrier to people outside. And I begin to, I begin to, to, to think about that. And, and as, as I studied this out, I found out that another part of, of stained glass, it's semi-transparency, is you really can't see through a piece of stained glass. Usually it's, it's not flat glass. Most often times it's, it's like a bevel or an etched glass. And it was also used to keep people from sinking into the church for fear of persecution. For fear that somebody would oppose the teaching. It was used as a barrier, if you would, to keep the outside from looking in. And as I began, as I pondered on it all week long, and then I, I even had a, a sit down with, with one of our, our general leadership that's, uh, uh, that serves in an area of general leadership of our ministry, of, of the IPHC this week, and God began to allow me in my spirit to be, see and uncover things and find that in our lives, we, we too often, we too often in our lives, our lives and our churches, and this church has no windows in it except in the peripheral rooms, and they're not stained glass, they're clear glass, and this is not really about stained glass at all, but what it is about, what this message is about, the word I have for you and me this morning is that many times we live our lives and we conduct our church behind the stained glass. You see, we we uh, we as believers, and I'm uh, as my one of my mentors. I served under him as his associate pastor. Says I'm going to get on a little bit of territory right now. You see, whether whether it's the Catholic faith, or whether it's uh, Protestant, or whether it's Evangelical, or even Pentecostals, you know, we, we, there, there's there's teaching within all of those ranks of uh, of denominations and ministries, if you would, that that. Uh, actually oppose secret, secret societies, if you would. Because what, if something is so good, why do you want to keep it a secret? But many times in our, in our church, many times in our lives as individuals, because in essence we are the church, we are what makes up the church, it's as though our lives are behind stained glass. We know we are closed and we're a closed society. Sometimes we are even, if you would, not to the extent of making oath, but we are a secret society of people. People don't know us. They, they don't understand us. They, 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 they quite com- can't quite comprehend us. We even sometimes, as believers and in our churches, we put on a facade that we don't want people to know what it's really like. Let me tell you something. There, there is not. Is, is there anybody in this room that is not human? I just want to establish that. We, we can use that as a disclaimer. Say, well, I'm just human, and and I understand we have to be careful in how we do that and how far we go with that. But the reality of it is, there is truth in that. We are all human. And as much as we're all, all human, let me tell you what. When you got saved, when you got saved, God came in and He saved your soul. The, the, he saved your soul. The connection point of your spirit. But let me tell you something. 
the flesh has to be brought under subjection to the spirit. This flesh wants to sin. This flesh wants to follow the weight of the flesh. There is a constant, there is an ongoing warfare. The flesh wars against the spirit. They are contrary one to another. We all have that battle. None of us have been exempt. None of us have got past that place. None of us has come to that point wherein we do not have to battle the flesh. If you think or I think that we no longer are having to battle our flesh, then we have been deceived and we have been fooled and we have been led astray. But oftentimes we as Christians, we as churches, we as church folks, we'll put on a facade that everything's right. We'll put on a facade. You know, we, we put it on like, you know, like we're Doris Day for the older people or, or, or whoever it is that you may think of that everything's lovely, everything's white, everything's good in their life. When all the time our lives may be seemingly falling apart. Yes, even though we're believers, even though we're Christians, even though we're men and women that are following God, there's times in our life that it seems like that everything is crumbling, everything is falling around us. But we will put on a facade just to present that everything's good and everything well. Everything's just quite all right. But this morning, I, I want to I interject this thought into your mind as we, we, we start going towards the scripture. Has it ever dawned on you? Has it ever dawned on you that God stands to gain the greater glory when he is manifest through our weaknesses than he, than he receives when he is manifest through our strength? In fact, don't we, don't we realize, don't we understand, don't we recall the scripture that when, when, when I am weak, then he is made strong. You see, it's in our weaknesses. It's in our, it's in our infirmities. It's in, it's in our fallacies. It's in, 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 in all of the struggles that we have in life that God has made strong through us because if I could do it, I would, if I could do it, if I could accomplish it in my own self, in my own rights, in my own means, and I think we have to look at the scripture when it says our righteousness is filthy, is as filthy rags. If we could achieve our own righteousness, we wouldn't need Christ. But I can't achieve righteousness. It must come through Jesus Christ. He's the only righteous one. And through Him, I am a righteous. And anything that I can do, anything that I will do, anything that I have such an ability to do that I can do it and leave God out, He will not be glorified in it. But when it comes to those things, those things, and let me say this, those things are most things. Most things in my life that I'm not able to do, I'm not equipped to do, I don't have the talent to do, I don't have the knowledge to do, I don't have the physical ability to do. But when God raises up in me and I do those things that are beyond what I'm able to do, then to Him comes the glory, to Him comes the praise, to Him comes the honor. Because when I am weak, He is made strong. James chapter 5. 
This message is an hour and a half long, by the way. No, not really. It really wasn't that long to start with, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to be considerate of your time. James chapter 5. James, the half-brother of Jesus. I love him. I love reading his, his writing. James says, is there any among you in trouble? He said, let them pray. He said, is anyone happy? Now let me tell you something. James is writing this with not just a hint, but a strong level of sarcasm in his voice. Is anyone, is anyone among you in trouble? Let me tell you something. Not that I'm that smart, because I'm not. But there's people in this room this morning. They're in trouble. There's people watching by social media this morning. You're in trouble. There's people that are listening. There's people that will listen, you know, a, a day or a week or two, whatever, down the road, and they will be in trouble. Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call for the elders of the church to pray over them. Anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. And the Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful. It's effective. Elijah was a human being. Hello? Amen. Guess what? You're just like Elijah. I'm just like Elijah. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth, and someone should bring that person back. Remember this. Whoever turns a sinner. Whoever turns a sinner. From the error of their way. Will save them from death. And cover over. A multitude of sin. I, I want you to know that. That behind the stained glass. The stained glass of our lives. The stained glass of our lives. The, the stained glass of our churches. Although we don't have one. And we should praise the stained glasses of our behind behind our behind the stained glasses of our life, behind the stained glasses of our churches, are the reality of our lives as as people that war with the flesh versus the spirit, and, and that war that we we are constantly engaging in daily, 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 daily. I have to crucify the flesh. The flesh wants to say things that it shouldn't say. The flesh wants to do things that it shouldn't do. The flesh. Gets it's itself in trouble. There's consequences of that trouble. The flesh causes us so, so, so much trouble. Amen. There's a lyric. It's, a, it, it's not as old as Doris Day, but it's an old casting crown song. And one of the lines of that lyric says this. Are we happy plastic people under shiny plastic steeples with walls around our weakness and smiles that hide our pain? Or is that who we are? Are we real? You know, I, I remember uh, I, a 
Coca-Cola, although I'm Dr. Pepper's my drink, my soft drink of choice, Diet Dr. Pepper, and you want to give me that for Christmas, just give me the, you know, if you find right now, COVID stop them from making caffeine-free, but caffeine-free Diet Dr. Pepper. <laughs> but I remember Coke, and there's nothing like a Coca-Cola in the little glass bottles. Can I get an amen? amen. Can I get a testimony? There's nothing like a Coca-Cola in the little glass bottles. But, but, but the Coca-Cola in the little glass bottles, a few years back, the slogan for Coca-Cola was, it's the real thing. It's the real thing. And they came out with another Coke a number of years ago. Some of y'all that are past 30 years old probably remember it. And, but it just wasn't like Coke, was it? It, just was, it wasn't the real thing. We live in a world, we're living in a world right now, we're living in a society right here. Let's, let's not think about the world, let's just think about America right now. We are living in a, a, a year that none of us have probably ever seen before. A year when things are happening, man, I, you know, it's just wild, and, and, and when I say this, don't, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm just being jestful in a way. But when you think about it, we have went through floods. We have went through pandemic. We have went through uh, killer wasps. We man, we we went through uh, riots and crisis. We now we're in a Sahara dust storm, and who knows what's going to come yet next. But here's what I do know, and here's why I'm telling you this morning: we are living in a time when the community that you live in. We live in a time when the community that this church is in, we live in a time when your family, the people that you work around, the people that you live around, we're living in a time when they need to know and to see the real thing. You know, they don't need a facade. They don't need, you know, there's some things I, I, granted, I understand that we need to be tactful in who, what we share with who, but, but they need to realize, they need to realize, oh, he's got some struggles. Whatever they may need, whatever it might be, he's got some struggles. He needs to be real. He, when he's talking to the old buds that he works with uh, over at the garage, he needs to say, hey man, you know what? I deal with struggles just like you guys do. But greater is he that is in me than he is in the world. And he is helping me through these struggles. And we need to become to that point where we can... Be a little bit more transparent, not stained glass, but transparent glass. And we can let the world see and let the world know that we are not superhuman. We are not, we are not exempt from being touched and stuffed by a killer hornet. I'm not exempt from catching COVID. I want you to know that. I'm not exempt from, 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 from being affected by the dust storm. I'm not exempt from a financial crisis. I can be broke tomorrow if every they collapsed. I had to ask my wife, I might be broke today. I don't know. She keeps up with all of that. But the reality of it is, here's the reality of it. I have Jesus and he is my friend. And I may get sick today. I may get sick tomorrow. I may have a dust storm cover everything that I have. The locusts may eat up everything around my house. But I can be like Job. You know, you may take my life, but I will still praise you. You may, you may take everything I own, but I will still praise you. But listen, what I'm saying to you in this message is this, this message, this, this morning is this. 
We as people need to let the world know that life is real for us too as Christians. And when storms come and storms go, winds blow and winds cease to blow. But through it all, my God has been faithful. My God has been true. I've trusted Him in the past and I'm going to trust Him in the future. And that's exactly what James was talking about. That's what he was talking about. You know, I, I, I've never got to go to one. You say, well, what's one? I'm going to tell you. I've never got to go to one. We want to take our grandkids sometime. Uh, I did drive by one. Disney World. One time. Nathan was driving. We went by so fast. I just saw the sign. That was it. <laughs> We were at General Conference a few years ago, and Nathan was driving, and Vicky was saying, Oh, turn here, turn here, turn here, and she, and I just saw a sign. Never got to go. But, but so I've been told. So I've been told that if you go to one of these Disney parks, Disney World, Disneyland, I, I, I've been told that you can sort of lose yourself. You can sort of lose yourself in Disney World. I mean, you can come become Pluto. You, you can you can walk around with Dumbo. You know, you know, you can spend time with Cinderella. You know, and, and you can and, and in this world of imagination that you can get lost. Now, some of y'all been there, and you tell me, you know, you probably tell me if I'm right or wrong, but do it after service. But 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 you you can lose yourself in, in Disney World. And um, you can go in there and it's a place of imagination and fascination. And you can do that for the price of one day's admission, which is quite a bit of money from what I understand. But here's the thing. I've never been to Disney World, never been to Disneyland. I've been to Dollywood, <laughs> Carolines. But here's the thing. When you walk into that place, that utopia, that place of fascination... That, that place of imagination. You walk into that place, you pay you pay a nice sum of money to go in, and you go in there and you enjoy yourself, and you, 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 you get lost in all that fascination, imagination, that utopia. But then at the end of the day, the fireworks go off, boom. Skies are dark, and you exit the gates of that park. And you discover reality still exists. God's not calling us to utopia. He's not calling us a place of fascination and imagination. He is calling us into a place of faith and reality and dependency upon Him. He is calling us into a into a, a, a he has called us into a journey that says pick up my cross. Now if you study that out, if you study out what Jesus actually carried in, in, in accordance with Roman society, Jesus probably didn't carry a cross like we imagine, but it was probably a, a huge cross beam that was put across his laid on his shoulders. And he and, and he stumbled and he staggered and, and and a man of color came and picked that up 
to carry it for him. Jesus said, pick up your cross. Pick up the thing that's going to weigh you down. Pick up the thing that's going to drive you. Drive you and keep driving you until your knees buckle under you. And, and you find yourself on the ground. And then somebody's going to come along. And they're going to help you. And they're going to help get you up. And they're going to help pick you up. And they're going to help you carry your cross all the way to your destination. You see, but sometimes we want to, we, you know, we, we get, we take on the facade of Christians. You know, and I do this, I, I, it's not original, okay? It's not original, but I, I did steal it from a, a dearly departed deacon that I once had in the church. People, you know how we are. You know, they'll come up and they'll say, hey, how are you doing? Hey, how are you doing? People come up and say to me, hello, pastor, hello, preacher. You know, they don't call, if they don't notice me in that capacity, they'll say, hello, hello, Eleanor, how are you doing? And I'll say, man, you know what? I am blessed, highly favored, good looking, got plenty of money, and enough gas to get home. And I do that. Being positive, being gentle, and being positive. But you know, there are some days, there are some days some people walk up and ask me that, and I'll just be honest with you. I've been through hell. Or, or, I've just got terrible news, or I, I, I'm burned down, or I'm stressed out, or this or that is bothering. And I'm really not feeling good looking. I don't have plenty of money. And quite frankly, my car's empty, and I don't know if I'm even going to have enough gas to get home. In essence, if you want to get to the real technicality of it, I just lied. Now, I think we need to be positive. Don't misunderstand me. I think we need to be people full of faith. But what I'm preaching to you this morning, if you don't get this in any other passage, what I am preaching to you this morning is this, is we need to let people know that we go through stuff in life just like they go through stuff in life. The difference in us as believers and followers of Jesus Christ is I have one that I can call on. He says, hereby we call him Abba Father. That means, hey, daddy. I'm in trouble. Can you come and help me out? I'm in trouble. I need you to pick me up. I'm in trouble. I need you to come bail me out of jail. I'm in trouble. I need you to help me to help fix my bank account, balance it out. I'm in trouble. I need you to heal my body. James said in that word I read to you from James chapter 5, what he describes there is a plan for the church that we sing songs of praise together, that we pray together, that we pray for one another, anointing you with oil. And he goes in to say, and we learn that we can, should be able to confess our weaknesses one to another, that we may strengthen one another because we are people of grace, because we are of kindred spirit to the one and the only Lord Jesus Christ, which is full of grace, full of mercy, and full of love. And I need to be that type of brother to every single one of you. And then lastly, he said this. James gave this instruction. 
He said, in layman's terms, we have the responsibility of restoration. We have the responsibility of restoration. You gotta pick him up and you gotta set him back on his feet and 
you say, what do you need? What can I help you with? What can I do to make things better? Because it's not for me to let a sheep lay in the ditch and perish, but I'm to pick the sheep up and to restore the sheep back to the fold. Not only me as a pastor, but you all too. Because sheep need to help sheep. So behind the stained glass, behind the stained glass, you can't see what goes on. What really happens behind the stained glass, whether it's in a building or, but most predominantly I'm speaking about our lives. No, I don't know what, listen, I see you guys on Sunday. You text me, you Facebook me. Some of you will call me. But quite frankly, I don't know what's going on behind your stained glass. You don't know what's going on behind my stained glass. But if we as the church can begin to be real, can you imagine how God would be glorified through us? Because through our weaknesses, He is through my difficulties through David's difficulties through Paul's difficulties through Peter's difficulties God was exalted and he can be exalted through your difficulties I want you to bow your heads with me right here just for a moment if you're in this room today and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you're watching my Facebook Live and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, let me tell you something. That's the most important thing that you need to that you need to achieve this day. Bible says today is the day of salvation. Today is the time. You can't afford to wait. You need to achieve salvation through faith in Jesus Christ today. If you're in this room, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to drag you out. But if you're in this room and you need salvation, you need, you need to be saved. You need to rededicate your life. I want you to look up your hand for me right now. Anybody in this room? Because, see, I don't know what's behind the state glass. Only you do. Those of you that are watching by stream, listening, by the audible, broadcast, you need to be saved. Today's the day. I just want you to cry out to the Lord. I just want you to say, say, Jesus, I acknowledge you as the Son of God. I acknowledge you that you are God that became flesh and you died in my place for the forgiveness of my sin. So I confess all of my sins before you, Jesus. And I ask you, Lord, I ask you to wash them, to wipe them away. And I believe upon you as my Lord and Savior. Through faith, through faith, I am saved because I believe in my heart and I'm confessing you with my mouth. And just a simple prayer like that is all. It is, it, but, but then you have to put faith. You have to put faith into action, faith into work. And you're saved. But here's what I want to ask you this morning. Because of the COVID, we're not doing all gatherings around that, what we call the altar area up here. But I want to ask you, congregation, this morning, it's still about eyes still closed. But 
But is there anybody in this room who would slip up their hand and say, Pastor, pray for me. There's a lot behind the stained glass that I do my best to keep covered up. Thank you. Is there any others? Thank you. Is there any others in this? Thank you. Are there any others in this room? Here's what I want us to do. You've been standing for a few minutes. I want you to stand to your feet with me. And I want us to pray, especially for those number of hands that went up in the room this, this morning. And I want you to pray for yourself. I want you to pray for me.
Let us shine, Lord. Let us shine.